0: Over the course of 136 years, one can find amazing history, backstories, data, statistics, anomalies, quirks, and you will never find one that is more unusual about your Pittsburgh baseball club than the fact that it has never produced a truly great pitcher. Oh, think about it. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. Brewers 4, Pirates 2 here in Milwaukee. The crew swept the three-game series in what was eminently predictable when you looked at who they'd have on the mound. And maybe because of that and the Pirates being held to such little offense by the trio of Eric Lauer, Corbin Burns, and yesterday Brandon Woodruff, I paid more attention to the other end of the process, meaning the pitching, which, by the way, was pretty good from the visitor's perspective as well, across the board. But there were two guys who really jumped out. The first came a couple nights ago when Rowanzi Contreras took the mound because every time he takes the mound, it's eye candy. It just is. He's effortlessly putting the ball out at 98, 99 miles an hour He's got wipeout off-speed stuff. And Craig Council, the Brewers' manager, mentioned Contreras' outing, which was in relief, of course, not once but twice, unsolicited both times in his post-game press conference that night, just praising what he'd seen of Contreras. And then yesterday, Mitch Keller takes his turn looking to bounced back from a couple starts where he really didn't get the the results. Four runs in each game uh, wasn't in command of his off-speed stuff and seemingly kept trying to fix that rather than focusing on his own 100-mile-an-hour fastball. But for this game, just went and attacked the Brewers. Attacked. 18 out of 20 batters got a first-pitch strike. 68% of his pitches were fastballs, way up from the 50% over his first two starts. And even though he gave up the rowdy Telez home run early on, on a pitch that really nobody should have been able to get a barrel on, it was inside, it was 96 miles an hour, and it was right where Andrew Knapp, the catcher, wanted it. Even with that, he visibly gained confidence there was some of that strut some of that swagger that i'd been describing for you from down in bradenton you know like he knows he can be a big deal now he's got that big fastball well he went out and used it you know and he he, he really did listen, listen to his response when i asked just how it felt to pitch that way yeah um it feels really good to finally get results and <laughs> uh it's been yeah since spring training since i've gotten results i mean i feel like i've been throwing the same stuff maybe maybe a little bit uh, different sequencing here today uh more fastball heavy but uh yeah to finally get the results is it's very relieving and just finally got a good one now let's roll that's not an accident i can tell you i spent a fair amount of time with keller all week up there in milwaukee and He hadn't lost anything. He was just looking for a reward, I think, to show everyone else what he was feeling inside. And you know what? Good for him. Great for him. And where both pitchers are concerned, potentially, finally, someone great for the Pirates. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street, overestimating a three-inning mop-up relief appearance by Contreras and a -a five-and-a-third inning start by Keller and saying, well, this is it, first great franchise pitcher. Okay, I'm, I'm not an idiot, at least not most of the time. But I do find it fun to project. I used to actually have this conversation with Garrett Cole. Once he finally arrived in Pittsburgh through the system and once he'd begun having success that would make you think, hey, you know, this this kid could really be something special. Look, he can do all this, too. He was throwing 100 miles an hour. He had dynamic off-speed stuff. He had the brains and the poise and everything else. And I'd point out to him that over a century and a quarter, the Pirates have never had anyone that you'd call great. As a pitcher. Now, Babe Adams, who pitched from 1906 to 1926, obviously requires a pretty big rewind of the baseball clock, is the only one for whom I'd make an argument that he should be in the Hall of Fame, but he's not. And the Pirates have 13 individuals enshrined and zero pitchers blows the mind. We can all cite names from different eras and talk about different reasons. Uh, You know, Bob Friend and Bob Veal were around for a long time, didn't have Hall of Fame kind of numbers. Others did great things in really short spurts, like Elroy Face's amazing relief performances in 1960, Steve Blass, and his dominance of the Orioles in the 1971 series. John Candelaria was considered an elite, one of the top three or four pitchers in baseball for a time there. Doug Drabeck was a Cy Young Award winner. Not really something that ended up becoming a thing. Cole obviously ended up becoming a whole lot more once he went to Houston. And a lot of people felt pretty strongly and rightfully so that at that time, he was the best pitcher in baseball you know, didn't happen here. So you'll have to forgive me as someone who takes a lot of pride in awareness of the history of baseball in our city. That when I see Contreras in particular do what he's doing, it's kind of easy to envision that he could be the best pitcher the Pirates have ever had. And I I know, I realize how absurd that sounds. But context is everything. And look, there's no getting greedy here. We've seen what this rotation has done to date. It has not been good, to say the least. So I think it would be a wonderful thing for this team, for this fan base, if there was one, or heaven forbid, two starting pitchers that you could at least say someday could become an ace type. Is that a more reasonable step? When I see Contreras, he has that written all over him. Keller's got a lot more to prove, which sounds crazy considering the other one just got into the bigs. But he does because he's also shown his bad side. But really, try to do what I did and just just allow yourself, even if it's just for a few seconds, To picture what it would be like for the Pirates to have a couple of guys like what Milwaukee just threw at them over the last couple of days, you know, a Burns and a Woodruff, changes the whole complexion of everything. When we come back, just one question. Time for J1Q, and today's comes from Jay in Virginia. And, um, glancing this over, I don't even see a question mark, but I'll take it anyway. Jay says, DK, with the locker rooms open, it's great to see you and Alex Stumpf back at the top of your craft again, really enjoying the interviews and insights on DK Pittsburgh Sports. I didn't realize how much I was missing the past two seasons until these interviews and chats started again. Jay, I can tell you that there aren't two happier people uh, in this town than, than Alex and I. Alex, of course, is our baseball beat writer, and he's now in Chicago for the Pirates series against the Cubs that opens tonight. I was just in Milwaukee, and we are both the big beneficiaries of Major League Baseball, the Major League Baseball Players Association the Pirates, and all of the other 29 teams as well for restoring reporters' access to clubhouses. Not something that every league has done yet. But for as much as baseball's traditionalism can bug a lot of us, myself included, in different ways, there's also a beauty to it. Baseball and reporters and Day-to-day-to-day coverage have been part of the game since the very beginning. And it was baseball that first had reporters come into the clubhouse and get to know the players and get to know the stories behind the box scores, the humanity that's involved, the humor that's such an intrinsic part of the culture of baseball. and. Believe me, Jay, however much you missed our access, you didn't miss it anywhere near as much as we did. I can tell you that between spring training and the opening series in St. Louis and the opening series in Pittsburgh against the Cubs, and now these three days in Milwaukee, I have come up with stories, with sound bites with the human aspect, with the humor, with inside knowledge, with information that could only come from being there and from them seeing your face. I'm going to share a little anecdote with you here since you were kind enough to bring this up. And I'm not going to give you specifics, so don't take this as a tease or whatever. It's just as much as I can offer here. But a couple of days ago in Milwaukee, Derek Shelton, wanted to explain to me a decision that he'd made and a decision that wasn't particularly popular. And I'm not even going to say which one it was because it'll, it'll, it'll be going a little bit too far, but he saw me in the clubhouse. I was waiting for a specific player. I was looking to interview and he kind of walks over to a corner and he goes, DK, until I make eye contact, And he kind of motions with his head. Now, if I was like a relief pitcher or something, I'd be terrified in this moment because this is the way you get summoned, like to the manager's office for something serious. Well, this wasn't that this wasn't that Uh, we went down the tunnel and up into the dugout and this whole thing took no more than a couple minutes, but he gave some background on it and He explained why he couldn't elaborate on this in public, but he wanted me to know for my background. Not to make himself look better or to try to curry favor or whatever, because that actually wouldn't make sense. Otherwise, you'd want me to go running and printing it, right? Instead, just on a personal level, I think he just wanted to let me know that he hadn't been lobotomized or something. You know, (laughs) he just wanted to say, hey, listen, this is how and why. Okay. And to be honest with you, that's no different than the way I'd handle a similar situation if, let's say, that I had asked some embarrassingly incorrect question. And yes, it does happen where I'll just like, I'll get somebody's name wrong or a situation wrong. And whoever it is, whether it's a manager or a head coach of another team in another sport, they'll just kind of tilt their head at you like, are you dumb? Really? How long you been doing this job? And I would want in that situation to find time and space to say, hey, uh, you know, I'm sorry about that question. the other I kind of put you on a spot with something that was really, really dumb and misinformed and whatever, and I'll strive harder to not have it happen again. These are things that happen when you're right there. They make a difference in the coverage. It's not just the videos and the quotes and and the explanation for how and why a home run got served up or a home run was hit by your side. It's about what it takes to really, really get to know your favorite team and the people who are within it. And man, Jay, I, I haven't been this happy about anything in quite a while. And I'm really looking forward to that access being restored in the other sports as well. So I can do the same kind of work on the Steelers and the Penguins. I really appreciate this question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.